Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Overlander podcast. I'm your host, Will Fowler with Venture to Rome. I'm here with my best buddy in the whole world, Chris from Frontier State Overland. Chris, thanks for being here again. Hey, Willis. Glad to be here, brother. Awesome. So today, we are going to get back to talking about the Idaho BDR trip. The last time it was just you and me talking about this on the podcast, we were talking about kind of the first few days, how we planned for it, Mm -hmm. how we connected with Rob, how we got into Jarbage, how we got from Jarbage over to kind of James Creek Summit, which is a detour from the actual BDR because the road up to Trinity Mountain was closed at the time. We talked all about that. And so today we're going to pick it back up and we're going to talk about section two. And it's fun to talk about it today because today's the day I just released the next video on the channel, which is where we get into section three. So it's kind of fun to be mm-hmm. talking about this with you on the day that a video was released as we're kind of watching people react to the new video, um, which is so far is doing really, really well. And it's just fun to see how excited people are to see this journey. So Today's podcast is really about going deeper, talking about things that weren't in that video and maybe sharing some memories on uh, why some of these places are pretty special to us. So, okay, Chris, we wake up at James Creek Summit. Now, the evening of James Creek Summit, we took showers, which was really- Not together. (laughs) I I want to clarify that. It was not together. That's true. It was not together. Oh, you had a bucket or something. You had like a bucket <laughs> ba- battery powered so, thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, well, you and uh, Rob, uh, I think both have um, the geysers, right? That's right. And um, I decided to uh, kind of cheap it out a little bit for this trip. And I found like this little rechargeable, submersible pump thing with like a shower sprayer and everything just on Amazon. It was like 40 bucks. And I was like patting myself on the back because I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I saved myself all this money and I tried it out before we left and, um, made sure it worked, made sure the batteries were charged and everything. And of course the first night that I go to use it, it just totally craps out. So it's, (laughs) it's not working at all. And I was was just like, I was looking at your thing and I was like, oh man, I've got the geyser, which is cool, but that takes up even less space than the geyser. All you need, like I got to heat up the water anyway mm-hmm. to use the geyser. So Milo just put it into a bucket and have, I mean, I was like, oh, Chris has figured something out that I haven't until yours broke. And then I was like, yeah, I think I'll stick with the geyser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, and it broke like on the first like actual use. Yeah. And it wasn't like I, you know, I had abused it or anything. Like I tested it out at home and sprayed it and it was great. And it's not like I was using like dirty water or anything like that. It wasn't like clogging it up. It was like just, you know, water from our tap at home. And it just, yeah. And the thing, it just, it broke. So anyway. Um, but showers yeah. are so important. I don't, I'm, I'm not plugging geyser. I mean, it's great. You know, we use it. It's, I you like should, it. is, yeah, you should plug geyser. Those guys make <laughs> a great is, product. This is it is a good product, but I'm not this is not a plug for them, but I will just, just say this. It's so important and so nice to have a shower on the trail. So we were like that was like our third night, I think. Um mm-hmm. and if you can take a shower every third or fourth night, that's fantastic because you just get so dirty and grimy. It's like a almost like a mental health thing to get clean when you're out there. So I woke mm-hmm. up that morning having gone to bed clean, showered. Both the kids, I got clean and showered too. Because remember, this is like singles dad trip at the moment. This is before we connected with everybody else. And um, 
woke up feeling like really refreshed, like got some sleep. It wasn't windy that night. It was perfect weather and just felt so good that next morning, which is one of the reasons I used like a, a pop chart song about like feeling good in the neighborhood or something on that video, because really that's, <laughs> I was like feeling like, yes, today is going to be amazing when we start out. So um, basically you had your awesome geyser and uh, I had a broken Amazon special. And so um, Nora, my uh, youngest and I ended up just uh, taking like a sponge and um, we took turns, you know, like just basically dumping a bucket of lukewarm water over our heads. And it wasn't nearly as refreshing as your geyser shower. So luckily though, I will tie this back to our um, bench trip. I got a um, sponge from the folks at the geysers, the geyser uh, booth there. Yep. And, you know, we were talking about the whole BDR trip and stuff. And so they gave me one. And um, so I luckily I had that for later on in the, the trip. However, it didn't work. And so luckily you had a, a, a new one. That's because right. Of the, yeah, you had bad yeah. luck. You had bad luck with showering. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, I was feeling a little bit like pig pen from Charlie Brown there after a while. So you could probably see like the the stink and the dirt just, you know, as I was walking along, you know. So, <laughs> just like there's like uh, flies <laughs> circling you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It worked out. I mean, those, so, that, that's the cool thing about those guys here is, you know, not again, not plugging them. They're, yeah, Not that I wouldn't plug them, but um, you can get, everybody can have their own sponge. So you don't have to worry about sharing. Yeah. So I had an extra one that when we bought it a few years ago, we bought two sponges and, um, or maybe we bought three sponges and I just had an extra one in my bag. I didn't, I've had forgotten it was there. And I was like, Oh, check this out. And you're like, thank God. Like this yeah, is like four no. days later. You're like, I really want to get clean. Uh -huh. um, yeah. That was, okay. a, that was a godsend. So thanks for us. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. something else besides, you know, because you know, I'm sure people just could hear us, you know, talking about our showering routines and stuff for days and days, but something else that happened at the James, James Creek summit before we left was that was like the first night where we had kind of an unusual experience with the, with a deer. Yes. Do you remember that? That's right. Yes. And I didn't put it in the video, Chris. And I don't even know why I didn't put it in the video. I mean, I know now why I didn't put it in the video because I forgot I have the footage. Uh -huh. I have it there. I just missed it. Like I just was like focused on something else. And yeah. I wish I would have put it in because it was a reoccurring theme for us. We had deer in camp that night that were like kind of aggressive. they were like stalking us. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was different because um, you know, I it, like what what's that uh movie with Liam Neeson where like the wool he's like in Alaska and the wolves are stalking the gray. Right. Yeah. And he's got the wool and they're like, there's, they're circling around and stalking him and closer and closer. We kind of had a couple of experiences with deer. And so this was like the first time, like we, it started kind of at twilight and, mm -hmm. um, we had a, like a doe and she was like walking around our camp in this big circle and she like, she wouldn't get spooked. Like, oh. you know, we got like three kids running around making a ton of noise and it, it seemed to make her even more like interested in us. And so she yeah. kept circling and circling. And like, as soon as we went, went to bed, um, like, you know, we weren't like in our tents for like more than just a few seconds that she was just like walking through our camp, like yeah. looking up at us. Yeah. So that, that it was, was really, really interesting. curious about what we were. And I've never, like, you think of deer as being really skittish 
and generally they are, they're really skittish. They kind of, you know, bolt at first sign of anything. And this one was like the opposite of that. It was like really, really curious. I wonder if that particular deer is still alive or if it has been yeah. since consumed by a predator who was like, sure, you can get closer. I don't mind. Yeah. Um, Bring it but, in. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't the only time it happened on this trip. It was just the first time it happened. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was really strange and cool, mm-hmm. but certainly strange. It was like something's going on that doesn't seem normal here and yeah. no one was in danger i mean I, you know it was just a deer so it wasn't wasn't that big of a deal we maybe we were like maybe there's somebody left a salt lick out there or something that we didn't know about and who knows mm-hmm. why it was so interesting in our camp but a little bit weird so the next morning we head down the mountain and james creek summit is right outside of atlanta idaho and atlanta idaho is a cool place that we didn't go to um that i really wanted to go to but we didn't um because there's a really cool story about Adela, uh, not Adela, because there's a really cool story about Kate um, growing up in Boise and having a family cabin in Atlanta, which is way, 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 way up the middle fork of the Boise River. But we didn't go there. We just went right by. We headed down the middle fork of the Boise River. And I go there all the time. So do you. Like we have been up and down the middle fork and north fork and south fork of the Boise River. It is like our backyard. So we're basically coming down the river, heading towards Boise is the direction that we're heading because we're going back towards uh, the BDR route. We had kind of overshot it and we're coming back to it. And Mm -hmm. it was one of the most beautiful mornings on the Boise River I have ever experienced. I mean, the sun was out. The water was perfect. The temperature was perfect. There wasn't that much traffic on the road. It was just incredible. Yeah, it was. It was just a, the perfect time to be there. Um, we're kind of in that transition between like a really wet and kind of a cold spring. And um, even though it was July, things were just now kind of starting to warm up a little bit. And so we just like hit that spot at just like the perfect time. And there was like so much water going through all the rivers there. Yeah, we like the flows were just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and that was really, um, really neat too. That's an area that you know um, we should definitely kind of go back and ex- and uh, explore a little bit more. Is that whole Atlanta area? Yeah, um, I agree. You know, because this was just kind of a a blip on the way through this yep. time. Yeah, the 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 water was high, which made it kind of more beautiful. The grass was a little bit higher and greener. And one of the things that we didn't really cover, but it's cool, maybe Rob will cover it in, in his video, is that along the river, there's still a lot of active mining. And so there's these contraptions, like these little ferry contraptions to haul equipment mm-hmm. across the river. So every now and then we'd stop and just kind of take a look at that stuff. And I think Rob on the radio at one point was like volunteering kids <laughs> to get in one of those <laughs> and send yeah. them across. Um, hey guys, you want to climb in? I'll send you across. Yeah. But it, so you kind of, you know, you get a sense of, of what the Boise area is kind of based on. And it's really based on mining. Mm-hmm. Uh, truly mining is what kind of made Boise what it is. Um, and a lot of that is still active. So we go there and then um, we get to this point that we've also been to many times, uh, but it's still one of my favorite places in that area, which is this crossover point. So there's a couple points where you can cross over from the middle fork to the north fork, which we needed to do to connect back to the BDR route. So mm-hmm. there's this place though, that I've been to a few times that you and I've been to, I filmed a video there called dark secret. Um, it's, it was my take on like overlanding for mental health. Um, and it, but it really centers around this spot really centers around this incredible plateau between the two rivers that is perfectly flat and wide. I mean, you could probably have like 
20 rigs up there. It's so big. Um, and it's got this expansive view of um, Rattlesnake Mountain, of um, oh, a bunch of other mountains in the Boise Range, Steel Mountain, which is a 10,000 foot um, mountain. It's just beautiful. So we got up there for a quick bite. Um, and I remember we were all just kind of like taking a lot of extra time. Cause we all kind of knew like, Oh, this is good. I don't know if it's going to get better than this. Like this view, like let's yeah. get all the drones up. Let's get everybody talking on camera. Let's do a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that we didn't even put in the video that we were like filming and trying to do. Um, mm -hmm. but it's just one of those super special spots. Yeah, it really is just the, the views there are just amazing. And if I remember right, like on your claim jumper video, that's where we descended down to the middle fork, right? Yep. That's um, exactly right. Yep. And you know, it's, and it's this road that it, it's one of those, uh, uh, trails or roads that video, it, it doesn't really show, like it doesn't really do it justice. You know, um, when you and I came down it for that claim jumper video and went down, you know, and kind of you'll learn about mining, um, firsthand, um, from a miner. Um, <laughs> uh, so there was a fellow in, a, um, a, a pretty nicely built up, uh, pickup truck who had like 35s on it. Yep. And I don't know if you remember, but he saw us come down and he was at the base and he was going up mm -hmm. and he, he had to turn around. He stuffed. Like he, he got stuffed. Yeah, he did. Um, and it, you know, and like his truck, it wasn't like, uh, you know, it, it was in, uh, pretty nicely built up. It looked like, so anyway, though it's, but the, the road is like, it's kind of deceiving as to just how difficult and challenging it is to get up to that plateau. But once you're up there, um, like you said, it was just, it was just gorgeous. And the weather there, um, was just so nice that I think we decided to have lunch there and yeah. just take in the scenery before continuing on. And then we bumped up and over um, and down to the North Fork. North Fork was, again, it was beautiful. There's a beautiful bridge that we crossed over and then just flat, mm -hmm. awesome roads. I mean, it's not that we only want to have flat, fast roads, but it's nice when you come across them when you're trying to go 1,200 miles. It's sometimes just nice to just move, especially when everything else is so pleasant. It's like, yeah, we're going to be able mm -hmm. to drive fast. It's going to be a smooth drive. It's going to be easy on the rigs. Plus everything we're seeing is just gorgeous. So we had this nice uh, drive on the North Fork. And then we left the North Fork. We started crossing north into the mountains. We had reconnected to the BDR route at this point. And we're basically making our way from the North Fork of the Boise River to Loman, Idaho. Now the BDR route just crosses through kind of, there's a little bit of a gnarly route that goes through the mountains there and it drops down right into Loman. However, these roads all connect back to the highway as well. And so it's, it's mm -hmm. not too hard to get back to the highway. I think we were only like five miles from the highway when we ran into a road close sign. And it's one of these roads that have been closed for like five years. I think it's 2020. So three, three years it's been closed 2019 in order. Was yeah. Signed. 2019. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was, so clear that no one was paying attention to that sign. It had been pushed to the yeah. side of the road um, and there was tracks going over it and there were, we could like see rigs driving out there. Yep. And yep. yet, you know, I, the pressure of having a camera on is one thing, um, but also doing the right thing is another. And so we decided to, to turn around and backtrack to the highway, which was really fast. The highway itself yeah. though, you can't drive very fast on because it's it's going through a mountain pass as well. So it's super windy and super slow. I think 
you know, a lot of that we're going like 15, 20 miles an hour on the highway because it's so windy dropping down in the Loman. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, like that, the, the whole road close sign thing too, we had our kids with us. And so we want to be good um, role models for them as well. You know, we don't want them to think that they can just like tear around that stuff. And, you know, honestly too, like you said, we were, we were lucky um, that with this, like, you know, the bypass or having to backtrack, it really wasn't that far. Yeah. And um, so it didn't really, it was a, was it a bummer? Yes. But it didn't really make like that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And that's true. yeah. And so, you know, it was nice to also be able to get to a spot where we could go a little bit faster um, for certain sections as well, because, you know, driving at like, you, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 miles an hour for hours and hours and hours gets to be a little bit tedious. Yeah. Well, so. that was, it turned out to be a pretty tedious day when it was all said and done because we got into mm-hmm. Loman and Loman has a gas station. And I, as a matter of habit, I always fill up my tank in Loman. And it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that I always do because there's no other gas tanks around. There's no other stations around. If you're going into the mountains, it's like Cascade is like the closest, yeah. I think, next gas station that you can get to if you're cutting through the mountains or maybe Stanley, Idaho, which if anybody think, who's from Idaho knows where those places are, it's a, it's a long way. And there's a lot of mountains yeah. between Loman and anywhere else. Definitely. And I think um, from there, probably the closest would be, would have been to like backtrack to like Crouch or Gar- Garden yeah. Valley, which is ways back. Yeah, right, And that Loman station where we ended up stopping that place hasn't been open for very long. Will that, that only that it was like, um, closed for man, like decades. And then they really? just reopened it. Yeah. Huh. They just reopened it. Like in the last, I don't know, year and a half. Well, it was, so it, it was like seven something a gallon. Yeah. It and was so super expensive. I was happy to pay it though. I was, I like, I wasn't crazy about the price, but I was happy to just fill up just, you know, I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't that many gallons, but it turns mm-hmm. out like in hindsight, that was probably like the one, one of the smartest decisions I made because my rig more than others was chewing gas, like crazy. So, so we filled up there because in the video, you know, like we get to yellow pine and like we were out of gas and we couldn't get any more really. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was, I was so thankful because I would have, I would have petered out big time. And I was so confident, so confident in all these gas stations along the way. Cause I'd called them all. Yeah. And I was going like, to say you did your due diligence. Oh yeah. It's like I, you, in fact, I've got this recorded for posterity. It's on the radio. We're having a radio conversation the first day with Rob driving up to the, you know, our first campsite. And Rob's like, what's the kind of, what's the gas situation? And I just like rattle off. There's this gas station here. There's this gas station. And I just like, boom, boom, boom. And he was like, wow. Okay. So someone's done their homework. <laughs> like someone's overachieving. <laughs> Tone it down, Will. And, you know, I was like so tuned in to the gas and to have these things like not work out was, was, um, you know, it was just kind of a little, uh, a struggle. And, I, but it really made me sensitive to like, just always fill up when you can, if you're going to stop someplace, just fill up. It's when you're out there, it's just so much better to have paid $7 a gallon and have an extra two gallons than to not have any gas at all. And with, with Jeeps, with a, you know, a limited sized gas tank and mm-hmm. really low mile per hour, when you're out overlanding a four wheel drive, totally loaded up, makes sense to just get it where you can. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's a a YouTube channel that I really enjoy and it's a guy and his girlfriend, they took two separate rigs and 
like this last winter, they were going and hitting a bunch of these hot springs not too far from the area where we were, and they were headed out to Atlanta, and they ran out of gas. You know, they were hoping that Atlanta had gas, and yes. you know, it came back and bit them. And dude, you know, I it's just, one of those things. I just talked to the guy who rescued them. I like. Oh, really? Like, like last week, he's his name is Will too. He's a really great guy. Um, I just talked to him and we, and he, we, we like walked through the story together and there's, you mm-hmm. know, so many questions people have about driving up that road in winter and not having extra gas and all this stuff. And I was like, well, how did that even happen? And he, you know, he knew all the details of the details of that story, but these were two like yeah. really experienced, like people who live on the road full time that went up there mm-hmm. and got stuck without gas in the winter. And luckily, I don't know how, but they were able to get something posted on Facebook on Facebook, just randomly. Yeah. And like, and this is a shot in the dark. Yeah. This guy is, has, he does rescues. Like he's no stranger to going and doing rescue, uh, recovery rescues. And he was on Facebook at that time. And I remember when I saw Will picked it up, I was like, Oh good. Will's going. Cause I saw it too. Yeah. For whatever reason, I, you know, I saw it too. And I was like, Oh, Will's got him. Okay. They're going to be okay. But yeah, they were stuck. Yeah. They were stuck. And like in Atlanta, Idaho, they were stuck and there's like no place to be in Atlanta, Idaho. There's no like hotel to stay in, in the winter. There's nothing. And so they actually had to like open up a structure that, that had been kind of closed for the winter to let these two people kind of in there be, and because they thought they were going to die. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> yeah. You don't realize how much trouble you're in right now in Atlanta, Idaho in the winter. Like yeah. in that, in the, in the first video we did, we tell the story of Peg Lake Annie and Dutch M they died in the mountains, like yeah. five miles from where these two were in a winter storm. So anyway, long story short, guess up and, you know, <laughs> bring a coat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what? Well, like, like, sorry, not, not to, to believe the point too much, but like when Elsha and I were like first married, okay. Like, you know, a million years ago, we were taking a friend up to Stanley and we like, this is in early July. We got in a, in a blizzard mm. uh, up not too far from there, just past um, Loman between um, Loman and Stanley in July, yeah. like a full blown blizzard. Yeah. And, and you know, these things that you got to be prepared and ready for them because this, these things can just sneak up on you so fast. So, so um, yeah. But anyway, so nothing yeah, like it that was happened great. on this trip or at least on this section of the trip, mm. nothing like that happened. We no. were, it was like, we had, beautiful weather and and clear roads so so back to the bdr we yeah you know long story short we got gas at loman thank goodness we head up this trail um that i've been on many times many 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 times i've been on this road out of loman into this place called bear valley Um, and bear valley kind of connects kind of goes up into this big open valley uh, and that that is a connection point for Stanley, Idaho and Deadwood Reservoir and um, the Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness, where there's a lot of rafting that happens. Um, and so I'd been on this road many times, but but I'd never been to Deadwood this way and I always have wanted to go. So the BDR route veers away from this kind of main used road, which is a really easy drive that, you know, you climb and it's long and, but you get into Bear Valley, which is gorgeous and all that stuff, but it's not real technical in any, in any way. Well, this road veers off of that main road and then climbs over, I don't know, man, like six ridges, 
seven ridges maybe before it gets into Deadwood. Yeah. I have no idea how long it was going to take until we got out there. And first you climb up and it's really super wooded. You don't really see much, but you know, you're climbing. And then you get to a couple of these vistas and you see the views and you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And then you, you cross over the first Ridge. And when we crossed over that first Ridge, there was kind of a, there's kind of a, um, a mountain that had been burned. So there's a bunch of burned Mm -hmm. trees down the side, which is not uncommon at all out, out in these parts of Idaho. Um, but I remember just seeing beyond that first ridge, the rest of the mountains that were out there. And I remember just feeling so excited that it was like meeting my expectations. It was like, oh, this is the part of Idaho that no one goes to. These are the mountains Mm -hmm. that no one sees. Like how many pairs of eyeballs have seen what I'm seeing now? All these, all these thoughts are running through my head and the road is rough. It's not like rock crawling or anything, but it's rough. We're going, so we're going five miles it's, an hour. It's slow road. going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can't imagine being on a motorcycle. I remember a couple of times we were on the radio and I was like, can you imagine doing this on a motorcycle? Like you'd be going, I'd be worried about falling over all the time because there's so many loose rocks and things. And anyway, yeah, I just remember some that steep drop-offs. Yeah. Really steep drop-offs. I remember that part of the drive being like really meeting my expectations and being the first trail at, to, up to that point there hadn't been a trail like that one that felt mm-hmm. like no one had driven on it for a long time. That felt like it was hidden. That felt like it was remote. Um, and we had to drive slow because of that. And we had lots more of those along the way, but that was my first kind of like, yes, this is the BDR. Like I was super <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the other thing is like, you, you know, you're saying talking about like six or seven of these different ridges. Um, you know, it takes a while to, to go up them and, and go up and then down. And then, um, you, you know, it was funny because, you know, I'm I, over each one of these ridges, I'm like, okay, well, uh, we've got to see, um, Deadwood. Yeah. It's got to be over the next one. And, you know, my, um, the, the kids are asking like, okay, well, when are we gonna get to the reservoir? And it's like, oh, well, I, I think it's going to be up over this ridge. Nope. There's mm-hmm. another ridge over that ridge. And over that ridge, there's another ridge, and yeah. you know it takes takes hours to go go through it. And at that point, you know you're like, okay, well, I know that it's up there somewhere, but also you it can't escape, you know, just how you know isolated and just how secluded you are at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like okay, you know, it's we're we're really out here, and you know, kind of like you were saying, like this is like. Okay, this is this is what I was thinking like the BDR was going to be like yep. because up to this point, up to like you know, honestly, like even up to like Loman, um, this is all pretty familiar. Yeah, and now it's starting to get into this stuff where it's it's more heavily wooded, and we're really starting to get into the meat of, um, you know, the 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 changes in i in isolated areas and things like that, and so I think that's like the first time where it started to feel like really. Like, okay, this is really the, the, the BDR is really going now. Yeah. So, and it, so we climbed down this first ridge or the second ridge or one of the ridges. And there was a, um, a Creek that we had to drive through. And this was, unfortunately, it was one of the only water crossings that we had on the entire BDR. We may have had a few more, but, but not many. And so 
I made a big deal about it in the video <laughs> because it was like, <laughs> well, this is the one water crossing we have. Let's do something with it, you know. And it wasn't a serious water crossing. It was a little bit deeper than we thought it was going to be, but it wasn't anything serious at all. And I blew it up in the video because it was like, okay, like let's do it. And we filmed it really well, so we had we had really good coverage of of crossing it. And so I tried to have a lot of fun with it. But you know, truth be told, it was a pretty mild water crossing. We've done much, much, much more aggressive water crossings than that one. <laughs> you know, we don't drive in slow motion to, you know, rap music when we're, when we're driving through them. Typically it was pretty boring, but, um, but when we, but the cool thing about that water crossing and the trip was it was kind of a demarcation line between those old roads that weren't driven very much and some ones we could drive faster on. And really at this point, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and we had promised the kids um, they could go swim in the reservoir. Now this is July in Idaho. So the sun doesn't go down until like 10 PM. Like it, you've got light until 10 PM. And so we mm -hmm. knew we could still get into camp late and the kids could still go swimming. And in the summer, it's so hot. Sometimes that's kind of the best time to be outside anyway. However, it, it had been a long day already. So we left at like, I don't know, nine in the morning, nine 15 in the morning or something like that. It was now four yeah. in the afternoon, four 30 in the afternoon. And we weren't even close to Deadwood Reservoir. Um, even though the roads were good, we tried to make up some time. They were so windy and there were so many ridges to cross. We didn't cover mm -hmm. this in the video. I just kind of skipped over it. I think we all got tired of filming too. Plus it's like, how many, how, how many times can you show a windy road before everyone's just like, you know, yawn? So, so the truth is it took another two or three hours to get to Deadwood from that water crossing. And when we got into Deadwood, it was like 7 or 8 p.m. at night, I think. Um, and you and I have both been to Deadwood before, most notably on our first um, overlanding trip where I sliced my finger open and we had to go to the emergency room. We got stitches. And then we did the whole story on that earlier, which was you know, a really fun story. So if you haven't heard that one, you can go back and listen to it on the on the podcast. It's an earlier episode. Um, but again, we know Deadwood. We look for some camping spots. We don't find anything. We find Deadwood to be really, really crowded. And I tried not to convey the negativity that I was feeling in the video because I was like, I was done with Deadwood. I was like, I'm never coming back here again. There's so many people. There's so many mosquitoes. It's It was so incredibly dirty. It was like that yeah, powdery. Yeah, super dusty. Yes, and there was no way to get around. It was just everywhere, you know? So it was just, uh, you know, I give it a solid C or C minus yeah. for a camping spot. Now, we were right across the road from, from the reservoir. The reservoir itself is beautiful. It is incredible. There's bald eagles flying everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's just, and the water's like relatively warm for being at 5,000 feet. It, it's, it's just beautiful and the kids had a great time swimming but i had this whole thing on the video where i talk about don't come here <laughs> don't come to deadwood <laughs> and i give all the reasons that you shouldn't come to deadwood. i cut that out because i didn't want to be you know good poo-pooing on on deadwood but like I, that's exactly how i was feeling i was like, i want to get out of this campsite i remember rob that night wore a mosquito whatever it is net over his face he was like, I yeah. can't handle this. And he just he just put the net over his face and hung out. Yeah. It worked for him. I was kind of jealous he had one. Yeah. I, I would kind of wish that, that I had one too. And you know what? We were like so tired and so dirty. And like you said, it was just it was just so crowded. There's a reason that it's so popular. 
is it is it's beautiful and like you said there's just so much to see there um but yeah if you if you're if you're going to if you want to go someplace to be away from other people um deadwood is not that place if you're okay being around other people um and want to ride like you know side by sides and you know four wheelers and stuff like that then great or you know what if you have like a, you know, a speedboat or something and want to go like camping out on the reservoir, I'm sure that would be awesome too. But, you know, for us, um, you know, it, it was a good place to to stay the night, but we were ready to leave in the morning. I think it was our worst campsite of the whole trip. And, and that's even comparing it to Dwarshack Reservoir that we'll get to later. It was full, mm-hmm. it was a boat ramp that we stayed on full of people and it was still better, still better than Deadwood. Yeah. For campsite for yep. the three of us anyway so okay so we say that but um kids go swimming beautiful night oh and my water purifier breaks so I oh this yeah water purifier this yep. prototype from this company called idol who also gave us batteries to use on this trip so this trip is kind of powered by idol and you'll be seeing some content coming out from me honoring that agreement and uh, relationship because they 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 were great in sending us stuff they sent me this prototype for this water purification system and i've done a video on it well, it stopped working. And I was so mad because I had planned this trip around using this water purifier, not to give content to idle, but because I was really excited about the ability to get really, really good, clean, good tasting water from any water source along the BDR. Cause I knew we we're going to be around creeks and reservoirs and things. And I only brought four gallons. Like I didn't even bring my normal six gallon water setup. I was like, I'll bring one last roto packs. Cause I can easily refill as we go and I'll just use water as I want to, like we took showers the night before I was like, no problem. I've mean, got the idol. I can fill up the water from anywhere. I don't need to, you know, stop and buy water or look for potable water, potable water at a campground. I can just use this thing. And I, I, I start running it and it runs for like an hour or two hours. And I get like not even a quarter gallon. And I'm, I just, it's one of those things where like, I just was hoping it would start working but there was nothing I can do about it. like, there's nothing I can do to fix it. Cause I don't really know how it works. I checked everything and, and then I just started videoing it so I could at least document it and send it back to the folks at idle and tell them what happened. And I did, and they were great. They were super apologetic. We went through kind of troubleshoot, troubleshooting um, communications on, well, did you, was it this right? And was that right? And it was like, yeah, everything was right. It just didn't work. And they were like, dang it. You know, it's a prototype. Sorry. And they immediately sent me a new one. And, um, I need to use the new one more, you know, I I kind of have a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth and I don't want to, you know, it's like once, once bitten twice shy, I will definitely go out and use the new one too more. Um, but that was a huge disappointment for me. Um, and then it just became one more thing in the back of the Jeep that was clanging around that was not useful. <laughs> so anyway, that's my a nice paperweight complaint. Yeah. yeah, that's my complaint on that that water purification system. I think the new one is going to be great. I'm not saying it's not a good water purification system at all. It's just what happens when you sign up to be a prototyper. And I love startups. I love new products. I'm usually always open to try new things. And as I'm learning, though, it's a little bit risky when you're out in the backcountry. Like trying a new product that's a prototype is great, but you probably shouldn't do that when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you should do that at home with your sink more. And when you're out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. you should have tried and true, like 
you know, manufactured, quality assured, all that stuff, you know, expedition grade gear, because when something like that goes, it, it creates a chain reaction for other things too. Yeah. I can come back and bite. Yeah. But but to their credit, um, the battery, like the battery systems that they, you know, uh, you know, sent us, those things were great. Yeah, and I, I use that thing all the time. Yeah, we couldn't have done the trip so. without them, dude. There's no way because we were we had laptops and and cameras and things. And I remember I had brought an eight terabyte hard drive with me because I knew I was going to be swapping um, data with Rob. And I remember there was one point I think it was when we actually when we were in Magruder Corridor or someplace we were camping mm-hmm. and I filmed I filmed it. So I'll do a little thing on social media or something on it, but it was like, Oh my God, look at this. There's this idle battery that has got every ports being used. It's charging something. It's charging the hard drive, which is a plug-in hard drive, the battery, um, you know, a light it's charging my phone, my iPad. I've got my drone batteries charging all at the same time. And I remember thinking like, I, we, I couldn't do this and film it without something like this. Um, so yeah, they definitely made some, also made some products that were really durable on that trip and uh i know you use yours every day too yeah definitely they're they're really um yeah they're really useful so um yeah but i can't wait to see what happens with the uh, reverse osmosis water purifier the new one that they sent you yeah so yeah, yeah we're um, gonna go play with it but yeah that but that that was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back as far as deadwood goes you know it was yeah. we were just we're tired and hot and dusty and um, we, we found a, a campsite that was away from other people and, um, but it was buggy and dusty and, um, we were all ready to kind of get out of there. Although, you know, um, I was able to, to jump in the, the res into Deadwood Reservoir and, you know, get some of the dust off since, uh, you know, my bucket bath hadn't worked very well. <laughs> <right>. So <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will eternally be grateful to the reservoir for getting clean. Um, so yeah, that night, the kids probably, had a good time too. Yeah. Kids had a, the kids were, thought it was great. They didn't care about any of the other stuff. They just, they love, they were in the water for hours. I, that was probably the, the night that night I was like the second most upset on the whole trip. I was upset about my stupid thing. Wasn't working. I was upset. We're in a crappy campsite. Upset about all of it. Um, there was only one, night that was worse and that was the night in wallace i was pretty although we had a pretty great <laughs> night in wallace I, I must say all things equal the night in wallace was really fun not at all yeah. what we planned we'll talk about that in, in another episode okay so we get up from um deadwood we hit the road reasonably early rob is not mm-hmm. a morning person and i know we've covered this before but like there's only one day in the entire trip where we left early by early i mean i think we we left at 8 a.m um and usually i love getting up i still i mean i got up early the whole trip but i love getting up early i love leaving early but rob was totally clear about that up front he was like look guys i don't get up early so if that bothers you you should just know that ahead of time and i'm sorry and if you really want me to get up early from time to time i can do that but like i'm not just i'm just not that's not me um so funny because we always knew when Rob was waking up because he has an inflatable um, air mattress for his eye camper. And you, you oh, hear, I forgot about that. You could hear the deflator <laughs> thing go off. So like, you know, every, you're out doing your thing. Yeah, you're like, you know, making breakfast or whatever, or you're wondering what's going on with Rob. Not that we ever really wondered that, but like, you know, just, and then all of a sudden you hear this. Bzz. 
coming from his tent. You're like, oh, okay. We started making jokes on what that noise actually really meant, but we assumed he was <laughs> his mattress. <laughs> okay, so we take off. We hit the road, familiar road again. Now, we had driven this road. The last time you and I had driven this road together, which is basically this really nice stretch from Deadwood Reservoir to Warm Lake, which is Warm Lake is mm-hmm. just directly east of Cascade, Idaho, for anybody who's looking at the map. We're driving from Deadwood to Warm Lake. Um, and, and the roads are great. Um, there's lots of people on the road because uh, it's it's a pretty well-known place. Um, but n- nothing big. We kept come across some BDR groups on motorcycles, uh, side-by-sides. You know, you'll see vans out there. I think we even saw like one Audi Q5 was out there. And we're like, Audi, what are you doing out here? You were too far from home. Um, but uh, we're driving along and um, making good time. We come across this place called Tyndall Meadows, which is this open, beautiful meadow along the way. Um, and it reminded me of the last time you and I had driven that stretch, which was the ER visit. So um, we, that morning that I cut my finger open our first time out ever together on, to, on a trip like this, cut my finger open mm-hmm. and we were driving really fast because we were trying to make it to the emergency room. Um, but it was actually great because it's kind of like I knew that we could drive fast on that stretch because we'd done it before. And um just for a very different reason this time we're trying to make it to yellow pine and i remember when i had cut my finger we reached this point in the trail where you go left and you hit pavement you drop down into warm lake and you drive into cascade or mccall well we had to do that so i could go to the emergency room the first time we went and i remember i was just so torn because we we really wanted to go to yellow pine um and looking at that road and driving by it. I think I'd done that twice again since that trip, been up that far, uh-huh. but not able to go up to Yellow Pine for whatever reason. And to get to that point and be like, yes, we're going to keep going north. We're not going east or, or west from that point um, was so cool. And there was this weird rough road and we were like, rough road, like by whose definition? Yeah, the, the sign's up. Yeah, it was clearly yeah. not rough at, at all. It was more of the same. No, but well, and I, I do want to like, just, uh, you know, kind of make this point, like Will has been wanting to go to Yellow Pine via this route for so long, like years. Am I exaggerating that? No, even Emerson talks about it. He's like, dad, when are we going to Yellow Pine? I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it was like the, the cursed trip. So it's yeah. one that, you know, initially that was our, our goal when, when you sliced your finger open and we had to to make a detour and what like turned into a great trip. But um, yeah, but it seemed like that was a trip that we had wanted to, to, to do and just other things kept coming up. And so this, this was the moment we finally got to go to yellow pine. Yes. And like you said, we saw these, the sign rough roads and we're like, okay, you know, this is going to be awesome. Like it's going to be, I don't know, super technical or washboardy or something like that. And no, nope. <laughs> Bombing 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour points. It was beautiful drive though. Really, really beautiful country. Between that was gorgeous. Warm Lake and Yellow Pine. Just, just, just beautiful. So, so we'd had a couple long days at this point and we kept making deals with ourselves. We're like, okay, today's going to be a short day. And I was like, you guys, Yellow Pine is going to be like the best day ever because I know it's going to be relatively easy roads. I think we're going to get in really early. We had planned to meet the rest of our group at like three o'clock, I think, at the uh, general store in Yellow Pine. And so we get into Yellow Pine at like one, I think. We're like way ahead of schedule because the roads were so great. Um, And we kind of 
poke around at the general store. I don't know if we poked around. The, I think we just drove through. We didn't even go to the general store. No, we just drove right through because I wanted to go find these mm-hmm. ghost towns. So there's three ghost yeah, towns. Yeah, Stib Night, right? Yeah, Stib Night. Exactly. There's three or four ghost towns up around um, Yellow Pine. And I, and I have been wanting to do this ghost town tour. And since we we're so early, I was like, you guys, I just, I want to get up and I want to find at least one of them. I just want to see it, see what it's all about. And I was like, we got to go to, <laughs> got to go to Stive Night because I think it's the biggest and the best one. So let's go there. Because I had done all this okay, research so I, Sorry, well, so I'm going to pause this right here. Because okay. we get to Yellow, you get to Yellow Pine, right? And we're starting to run like a little bit low on gas by now yes. yeah. because we've done this big section between Loman to um, to Deadwood and then Deadwood to Yellow Pine. So we're starting to run a little bit low on gas, but you had called ahead and they said, yeah, we got, we got gas. Yep. And so we're going to go check out Stib Night, Stib Night, however, you know, however it said, and then come back and, and fuel up. Yeah. No biggie. Right. When we had timed it, we're like, or we, you know, we're looking at our fuel. I'm glad you brought that up because we're looking at our fuel and we're looking at how, how many miles it was up and back to go visit these ghost towns. And it's like 10, 15 miles, maybe um, up and back. So it's like, okay, there's 30 miles. Let's say, let's say 40 miles. So we get in and we're like, well, we only need 40 miles worth of range because we know we're going to be able to fill our tanks all the way up at the gas station. And so mm-hmm. we're driving four wheel drive still. Um, on the, on the way up, it's just with total confidence that we can get gas. And, um, and I didn't put any of this in the video, uh, driving up to this ghost town. So, so we, we drive up 10, 15 miles outside of yellow pine and we go in search of stib night or stib night, however you say it. Um, and we find the mine, it turns out it's an active mine again. Um, there, I don't know what they're mining up there, but there's a massive operation going on. So we're driving around the mine looking for the ghost town. Um, finally we backtrack a little bit and drive around in circles and Rob finds the ghost town. And I'm like, no, 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 this isn't it. And he's like, well, Will, there's a sign here that says this is it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but this is not it. Cause there's no buildings here. And he's like, well, there are these three historical markers that talk about the town. So unless there's another town that's expelled, that's spelled exactly the same, that's up here in the mountains, <laughs> this is it. And I was like, no way. So I didn't know that they had raised the town. It had literally been raised and raked. I flew my drone around and you could see rows where it had been plowed. Um, And I was so disappointed to see that this dream I had of seeing this old ghost town, we're talking a a big town with a bowling alley and a hospital and a school. I mean, it was big and I was so excited to see it. And it was all gone and they just the mining company i think i don't really know this so don't quote me but i i think it said the mining company had just uh destroyed it yeah they basically just yeah they used to just raise it they just bulldozed it there was you know some a few foundations left over but you know from their standpoint they were probably like well you know why keep it you know it was and we're not talking about something that was like you know from like the 1800s like it was occupied up until like what the 40s or 50s, yeah, 50s something like yeah, that the 50s that's right yep yeah, yeah because so, because they they mined precious ore during world war ii that was used oh, that's right by the military and so there was there were people up there working into the 50s um and then and they ran out or there wasn't a need for that particular uh rock anymore and so then that's when it became abandoned so that's why another reason i was so excited because i was like it's a recent ghost town so like these structures are going to be a little bit more intact and they were just all gone. So anyway, um, waste the gas, 
drove back down to Yellow Pine, pulled into the general store, which is awesome, by the way. So the Yellow Pine yes. general store, the guy who running it was totally nice to us. Super, super cool dude. They have everything you could think of in that grocery store in small quantities. Like you have the essential foods that you'd need. They have supplies. They have a lot of alcohol in that store. <laughs> they <have laughs> yeah, they do. Cocktails and wine and and, but it was clear that they were running low on inventory. Like the, the shelves were getting picked over and things were like, they were just running low on it throughout the whole store. So yeah. we go in and I'm like, okay, I just need to fill up, fill up my tank because it's one of those places where it's not really like a proper gas station. It's like, there's a gas tank with a pump on it. And most of the time at these places, um, you ask them to turn it on for you. Then you go pump your own gas. And then you like take a picture with your phone of however much gas you use or however much, you know, the prices. And then you go pay them inside. Um, and this was not like that. This was even more rudimentary than, than that. Um, and he was like, well, I can, I was like, I'm, I'm going to fill up. And he was like, well, I can sell you two gallons. And I was thought he was kidding. I was like, yeah, was, yeah. If only I only, if only I, I just needed two gallons. No, I need, I need to fill up. I need the whole thing. It's probably gonna be like 15 gallons. And he was like, I can sell you two. And I was like, are you being serious? And he was like, yep, we're out of gas. And I was like, what do you mean you're out of gas? And he goes, well, we had a shipment of gas that hasn't come yet. And so we only have 150 gallons left for the whole town. And so what we're doing is we're giving people uh, two gallons of gas just so they have enough gas to get out of town and, and uh, get back to McCall. And I was like, McCall's 60 miles from here, bro. I get 10 miles a gallon. <laughs> like two gallons isn't going to cut it. <laughs> like, well, I, I, I hate to tell you this, but like, we might be stuck here. And he was like, you know, I, I get you. I, you're in a pickle. So am I, you know, there's, there's two <laughs> gallons and I'll sell you those two gallons if you want to buy them. And I was like, I want to buy them. Yes. Some of the two gallons. And well, um, and we had asked yeah, him too, like, Hey, when, when's the, uh, when's the shipment coming in? And this is like, I don't know, the 16th, 17th or something like that of July. Yeah. He's like, uh, I think they said they're going to be in like the 25th. Yeah, yeah, we're like what really <laughs> he's like yeah he's like they got he's like yeah they they basically like a shipment couldn't come in and so we got to wait until the next shipment and he's like the 25th and we're like oh my god that's a long time from now so yeah anyway sorry to interrupt you so but, there was like no way uh, there was just we were i was flabbergasted so our Convoy meets up with us around this time. Now it's around 3.30 in the afternoon. They all get there, which is so cool to like meet off grid because there was a certain point where we're just kind of hoping that they would arrive. We really couldn't, we weren't in contact with them. So they, they arrived. We were, everyone's in good spirits. It's really hot that day. And they didn't really take the news, the two gallon news the same way I did. They were like, that's fine. We got plenty of gas. We just, <laughs> we just drove over to the call. You know, Elsha's bragging about her new gladiator and how, what great gas mileage it gets. And, and Jim and Carla are in a JK uh, two door, which has the same engine, but is a lot lighter because it's a smaller rig. So they have, you know, plenty of range and there. And so I'm looking at my spare rotopacks thinking, I think I'm going to use these things and I'm doing the math. I was like, okay, okay, how far do we have to go to a place where I can actually fill up my rig? It's about 60 miles to Warren, but it's not just 60 miles. So I have maybe 60 miles of range now. So I get two gallons from him, which gives me about 80 miles of range or something like that. Um, so I'm, I'm doing the math and I'm like, okay, so it's 60 miles to Warren, give or take. And by the way, give or take matters when you're out there. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we have to cross over Elk Summit, which is a 9,000-foot peak. And we're at 4,000 feet now. And Warren's at like 3,000 feet or something. It's not very high in elevation. So I'm like, well, there's a good like, you know, I don't know, 8,000 feet or so of elevation we're going to be climbing and lowering. And that's just one mountain pass. There's like three or four mountain passes to cross over before you get to uh, Warren. So I was trying to do the, like the vertical math. And I was like, I think it's like 9,000 feet up that we'll be climbing when it's all said and done. Um, and you know, coming back down, you don't use as much gas, but climbing, you use a ton of gas. So I was like, I don't even know if I have 60 miles worth of range. I think we might have to abort and convince this guy to give us another gallon and just drive them a call and fill up and miss this part of the BDR. Like I was, all these thoughts were running through my head. Well, everyone's there. They're super high on, on being out there in the back country. Everyone, it was everyone's first time the yellow pine, except for Elsha. Um, and, um, and so starting to get late and starting to get late. And we were like, okay, you know what? Let's just go have, go find an easy night. We kept promising ourselves. We're going to have these early easy nights. You know, it's 3.30. Let's just go set up camp. Let's go. There's a couple of campgrounds back there. They're probably about 10 minutes away. It'll be great. We'll be we'll be set up at four in the afternoon. Kids can play in the river. It'll be a fantastic, easy night. We'll figure out this guessing tomorrow. Well. Oh, well, sorry to interrupt you. But while we were also waiting for our convoy, um, there was a mountain that's, that's like right above Yellow Pine. And like we're killing some time, just hanging out. And you pull out your drone and you fly up there and you see what looks like this amazing campsite yes. at the top of this mountain. Yes. And so you ask our friend um, in the general store, hey, is this a, a campsite? Is this a, is this a good one? Can we like get up there? And what was his response? Like, oh, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's easy. You just, yeah, just go up there and it's, it's great. You'll yeah, love goes, it. Oh, yeah, you can totally so, drive up there. Yeah, you can camp up there. Absolutely. You can totally do that. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And he didn't really offer too many details. He just was very encouraging that we could do it. Um, so I was like, well, it must be a known place. It must be a known place that people drive up to to spend the night up there because that makes sense. You know, it's a mountain right above town. There's a trail that you get to. It's very easy to find. It's a three-mile trail that goes up the side of the mountain. All of these things in my head, I was thinking, well, that would be a cool alternative you know, short trail up there. Clearly people go up there to spend the night because the guy in the general store knew about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put that in my back pocket. In fact, it was kind of the place that I wanted to stay driving into Yellow Pine because I'd seen it on the map. And I was like, ooh, if we could stay up there, that'd be cool. Um, so we go to the first campground. We look at it. It's small. It's hot. It's right on the road. And so at it's that totally point, I'm full. It's totally, yeah, yeah. One of them was totally full and the other one, like we just, it just wasn't going to work. And then I was like, I just got the bee in my bonnet and I was like, we're going up the hill. We're going to go up the side of the mountain. It's only three miles guys. Cause we were like right next to the turnoff to get on that road. And I was like, we're going up the hill. And everyone's like, okay, Um, are you sure? And I was like, yes, I'm totally sure. It's going to be amazing. I know it's going to be amazing. Follow me. I know the way, trust me. (laughs) Everyone was like, okay, great, let's go. And so we turn off onto this road and I did not film this very much because I was out of the rig so much working on the trail, but it immediately, the trail was like really steep, totally washed out. 
And I'm thinking of my in-laws, Jim and Carla, that had just joined us in their little JK with without a lift on it or anything. And I was like, oh no. Okay, it's going to get better. Washouts are always worse at the bottom. They get better at the top, right? Um, and so we get up a few switchbacks. And these are switchbacks where they're three to five point turn switchbacks. They're not something you can drive around. They're, they're really, yeah, really sharp. Yeah, they're really tight. And they've got logs laying over them. It's really clear no full-size rig has driven this road. And so I'm beginning to have just like a little bit of doubt. We're just a few turns in. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. But it's going to be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. It's going to be fine. I'll move some things for everybody. I'll clear some, clear some brush and it'll be fine. It'll be a good venture. You know what? It'll, it'll test their rigs for the first time. That's, you know, I'm talking myself, I'm talking myself into it. I'm like, you know, well, you're giving them an adventure. It's going to be great. The two door JK is going to be the first time it's trail tested gladiator. It's she's going to be able to say she drove it off road the first time she had it. And so we get it and it just like the trail gets worse and worse and worse and really scary because it was climbing I think it was like a 4,000 foot climb or a 3,000 foot climb or something. No joke. Like we were up at, I think we ended the night up at 7,000 feet and we started maybe at 4,000 feet. So it was at least 3,000 feet that we climbed and it's Mm -hmm. straight up super narrow. Like, you know, this is like tumbled to your death kind of a ledge the whole way, not driven. So, you know, we had no trust in the road because it was just clearly unkept. And, um, we got out the chainsaw, I don't know how many times, maybe three, three or four times got the chainsaw. Oh Um, yeah. At least, um, we just totally, yeah, we were, we got like, I don't know, maybe about a quarter, quarter to half a mile in when we start first had to first had to like start pulling out the chainsaw and start cutting and, um, clearing some trail. And to your credit, you're like up ahead of all of us and, you're just like this machine. You're just like rolling rocks off of the trail and yeah. throwing, you know, um, logs off of, <laughs> off of the side and stuff like that, just to, to clear a path, you know, and you're like all cut up and stuff. And, um, oh, that's right. I could, get you know, cut up. yeah. Guilt is a crazy motivator. I was, I was yeah, feeling well, super guilty. So I was trying to make it as easy as possible for everyone. Um, but it, yeah, at the top, well, and so, you and me and Rob, Go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, and you, me and Rob had, had like spaced each other out. Um, so that way we could, you know, possibly re- do recoveries on, yeah. um, like the gladiator, which, um, is, is fairly stocked besides it has, it has some really good new tires and, um, and then the, the two door JK, um, it's also, like you said, it's stock, um, but it has a, a really good set of tires too, but yeah. you know, they're, fairly inexperienced drivers as far as like off-roading and stuff. And so, um, we had kind of spaced ourselves out and, um, yeah, it it was just, it was really intense. If it was just you, me and Rob, it wouldn't have been such a a big deal. I don't think, Yeah. but just kind of that anxiety about, um, these other people that we, you know, care about and not knowing, you know, how they're going to do on it. Um, which to their credits, they, you know, they went into it, they were stressed too, but they didn't complain. They joked around and, yep. um, dealt with it in a in pretty great fashion. Yep. One problem at a time. I, so like I was ahead scouting trail and I was just, I just really wanted it to be a great campsite and the trail just got worse and worse and worse and worse on the way up, more overgrown, more narrow, more obstacles. Um, and, and so I 
kind of like speed ahead. And I'm like, dear God, please let there be this great campsite that I was thinking of. I had lost all confidence. I was really afraid that we had got ourselves into a massive conundrum that we're going to have like back down the mountain all the way. Like, I, you know, there's no place to turn around. Um, and so I speed ahead. I get through overgrown trails, completely overgrown. I mean, I'm talking, I'm putting massive pinstripes on Finn and, uh, and I, I see this clearing, uh, that could be a campsite and I would give it like a C plus when I see it, I go, oh boy, that's not what I thought it was. And I kind of get lost up there too. Cause there's a couple roads that went different directions and I kind of lost my sense of direction and I was not where I thought I was. So I wind up looping back to the group and everyone's kind of waiting for me to come back and report. And I'm like, well, I think we should keep driving forward. And they're like, well, what's there? And I was like, oh, there's at least a place to turn around up there. And they were, you know, they, our hope was beginning to wane as a group. And there was this big, huge log that I had just driven over, but it had worked its way into the trail to the point where we had to really move it. And we wound up, the three of us kind of rolling it down the hill and using the chainsaw to cut it up to get it out of the trail. And, and then we kind of slowly mark our way into this clearing and we get there and it is uh, really unlevel. It's not level at all. And it's, I don't know, what do you think? It's like eight o'clock now? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. Yeah. So we left um, at nine, pulled in at eight to start setting up camp. Um, and it, it, we were stacking rocks. Like I've never stacked rocks before to get the rigs level. And Jim and Carla, um, God bless them. And thank God they found the one level spot. They like drove right to it. Uh, Jim has a sense for those things. He's like, Oh, uh, like, it. I'm going to set up camp right there. And I was like, thank God they got a <laughs> yeah, level spot. Got it. I, you know, like you want your in-laws to have the level spot at camp. So um, we went up stacking a bunch of rocks at all, th- all, all three of us who were sleeping in our rigs. So me and Kate, you and Elsha, and then Rob, those are the three kind of like sleeping rigs. The gladiator was there, but no one's sleeping in it. Um, got them all leveled up and, um, and started setting up camp, like setting up our chairs on like, we couldn't really sit because it was so sloped that like you were like kind of falling out of your chair or like falling over the back of your chair, depending on which way you were. Um, it was an old mine. So there was like this, there was like this massive 50 foot hole on the side um, that was definitely a death trap for kids. I think they were doing like hydraulic oh, yeah. mining or something like that up there. Um, yeah. There was like some pipes that went into it and yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, and so, I, and I, I do have thinking, to say, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like you and Rob were like rock stacking monsters. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know, like how we're gonna ever make these rigs level. Yeah. And you just two, you two just like at first like converged on like yours and like stacked all these rocks, and I'm just like, you know, before I could even wrap my mind around what you guys are doing, you're pulling up on it, and Finn is like perfectly level. Of course, like opening up your door and like stepping out is like a five foot drop off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the bottom of the door was like at my waist. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was really high. Like you guys had stacked rocks. I don't know, a good like foot high. Yeah, you know, if probably well higher than that. So I think um, so. Yeah, I mean, there's then, a picture of it. the picture doesn't quite do it, do it justice, but yeah, it was it was ridiculous. 
Yeah. And then, you know, you, you guys both came over and like started stacking them like for me and like I pull up and it's, it's great. And then we do it for Rob too, but man, you guys, it was like, it was a thing of beauty. You guys are like, you know, rock stacking artists or something. So you're very confident. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, they were stable. I don't know that we should have been, but we were very confident at the time. Yeah. No, it worked out great. So we all slept really well last night, that night. We did. Well, yeah, I was so tired and I was cut up too. But I remember that night, Elsha made this fantastic meal. It was like pork nachos, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just went to work. So yeah. she basically, the gladiator was basically like a rolling kitchen. She brought all this food and she cooked for everybody. And there was like 12 people or something like that, 11 people um, mm-hmm. that she was cooking for. And she just did a phenomenal job. And then we sat around the fire and it was, it was enough of a hard day that, you know, I got out the super nice bourbon that night. Um, uh, I, th- I believe we had a bottle of Kentucky Owl that we were sipping on for that trip. One of our really nice expensive bottles on that trip. We wound up going through it too fast <laughs> and having to replace <laughs> it. Um, but um, it, oh boy, it, it was w- good. Yeah, it wound up being wound up being a really fun, great night. And actually, the campsite turned into being a great place to stay. And I remember though sitting around the campfire and talking about the fact that those two gallons that we got down in yellow pine were completely gone. And then some like we easily burned those two gallons going up the hill and uh, we were going to be at a deficit from where we were the next day. And we were just like, well, that's a problem. Can't solve it right now. So let's have some bourbon. When we get into talking to um, talking about section three, it's all, there's a lot less stress around gas and the, you know, that question had kind of been answered, but there were certainly more questions in our mind about, about terrain and about snow um, mm-hmm. and about how far we can make it. Time was becoming a huge obstacle because this convoy was, it was the weekend convoy and we were, we were driving into Sunday. So like we yeah. needed to figure out how to get everybody back to McCall. They need to go back to McCall and get us back on the BDR. And it wasn't simple. Um, you know, you know, obviously we figured it out in the end, but it wasn't a simple solution, especially when we got into section three and realized as we did in every single section, eh, this might take a little bit longer than we thought. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, that's, yeah. that's, that's what we'll talk about in, uh, in our next episode, uh, re re uh, remembering and recapping the, the BDR trip. And, uh, making up some of the uh trying to make up some of the lost time you know with the smaller convoy and all that stuff but uh yeah yeah i I can't wait like because we're getting in we're really getting into the good stuff here i totally agree i feel like i feel like the first four days five days we're just kind of like a warm-up for the rest of it and part of it's because we're part we're from this part of idaho so like we know the terrain a little bit more it's even even the roads we haven't driven on it wasn't like we felt like we were in a foreign land well when we get into this next section of the BDR, it started to feel like we're in someone else's Idaho. You know, it started to feel like we were in places that there might be like, you know, somebody looking at you from the trees in the forest. And like, I mean, it was totally different. It was totally wild. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I feel like all this was just warm up. Um, and I will say that it, it all helped the three of us really be a tight team. Like we, we just, really worked well together. And part of it is because we, we had a little bit of adversity at the beginning of the trip that kind of formed our bond and formed our way of working together that really allowed us to 
easily navigate and make decisions when we got into the thick of it uh, later in the trip. So I can't wait to to go over that, and um, who knows, maybe Rob can can join us for part of this too. I'd so. love that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I know he's at SEMA right now, um, so he oh. will be joining us like tomorrow. But I would love to get him on here and talk about some of the stuff. I do want to say this as as a kind of a parting thought. This is fun, right? So like, it is sightseeing. That's what we're doing. We're out sightseeing. We're taking a Sunday drive. We just have, we just happen to be doing it on remote roads. Um, and we're doing it in situations where you need to be self-reliant. Um, but I don't want to make it seem like we're on some kind of like military life or death mission. I see other, um, people doing that, like creating missions for themselves and making it sound like, you know, like there's some kind of other thing going on, like, you know, there's a tactical nature of what we're doing. That is absolutely not what this is. That's not what we're trying to make it out to be. This BDR is fun. It is, it is like fun, 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 fun. And every choice that we made was basically like, how can we have the most fun? And yes, we made some mistakes. I, if I, in, you know, hindsight, I would not have led the, tr- the group up that mountain, but the reason that we wanted to go up the mountain was to have fun. You know, and so oh, anyway, yeah. I just want to make that and point. It's yeah, and, and Willis, it's turned into such a great memory. Like that's <laughs> that's a shared experience that yeah. you know that you know we're whenever we get together with like uh, you know your in laws and you know even just like us together with you know the wives, it's such a great experience. And Pixie has a few little pinstripes and remembrances and stuff, and we don't regret it one bit. So. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah, i'm sure we'll be talking about that over the holidays yeah oh yeah definitely (laughs) definitely well okay so we're gonna stop there um thank you for listening to this podcast if you have made it this far i so appreciate it um please do subscribe to the podcast it does help it helps our little podcast get heard by more people and get picked up and um it's growing every time it's so fun to see this little um podcast continue to grow it's like a little engine that could it just keeps going and more people listen to it and it's just a ton of fun it's a chance for anybody who um likes the stories that we're telling on youtube to get a deeper dive on what we're doing and just kind of get to know us better because this is truly just us chatting about a lot of the stuff and even we have guests on it's just us chatting with the guests so it's really getting to know us a little bit better and kind of what motivates us and and um, hear our stories and and whatnot. So if you're into that, do subscribe. Um, we're going to keep chatting about this this trip for the next few weeks, um, certainly until the videos are all out and we're sick of talking about it. <laughs> Although I don't know if we ever will be sick of talking about <laughs> Never. it. Um, and so thank you for, for that. If you haven't been over to the channel yet, we'd love to see you over at Venture to Rome YouTube channel, watching the content there, leaving comments if you like them. Um, definitely subscribe if if you want to get this uh, content regularly. We'd love that. Um, we're just a growing little channel. It's so cool to see people kind of fall in love with this storyline of the BDR um, that we're launching on YouTube. People are like waiting for the next video to drop. And I've never experienced anything like that in my life. So it is such a joy for me to make these videos for my own memory. But knowing that there's people there who are like waiting for them to come out to see what happens next is is, has been a great joy in my life right now. So that's, so thank you. Um, and if you're interested in that, that's, you can get those videos by subscribing to the YouTube channel. Lastly, I just want to say, um, uh, I just want to give a plug to one of my favorite companies, which is wheeled life. Um, it's W H E E L E D L Y F E wheeled life. It's an apparel company there. It's a couple 
a young couple that started this apparel company because they just love wheeling and they love the lifestyle of being out and they have a Jeep, but it's not, you know, Jeep centric. Um, and they just wanted to celebrate that. And I just, I've gotten to know them as people. They've been on the podcast. I really, really like them. We continue to have a really strong and um, giving relationship. So I am, I just want to encourage people to go to their website and look at their apparel. If it's something that you like, just know that you're supporting a, a, a growing company, a family company, and folks that really do believe in doing good out there in the wheeling community. So um, if you'd like to support them, that would be great. So thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you.